Coming up, is Jake McCarthy a rookie of the year finalist? Are the D-backs a bullpen away from competing next season? And who else should get the call up this year for the D-backs organization? All on today's podcast. You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist, and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked On Dimebacks on Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube as well. Locked on Diamondbacks on there as well. If you guys are watching today, if you guys are watching today's podcast on YouTube, I got a special showing for you guys today. I brought the gun show out. Usually I got a t-shirt or something on, but I'm going to the gym right after this podcast. So I brought out the tank top. So for all the people watching the YouTube show, <clears throat> flexing for the YouTube audience right now. So go check out Lockdown Diamondbacks on YouTube if you want to see how yoked up the D-backs host is. But I'm not as yoked as the first guy I want to talk about on today's podcast, and that is Jake McCarthy, because Jake McCarthy, the whole second half of the season, has been yoked up for the D-backs, and I think it's time to start talking about whether or not Jake McCarthy should be a Rookie of the Year finalist, because of course, this D-backs team, very young, a whole bunch of rookies on this roster up and down. I think entering the season, the guy who we would have pegged as a potential Rookie of the Year finalist of his D-back squad would have been Alec Thomas, one of the top prospects in the D-backs organization. Got called up like the second month of the season. Alec Thomas has played 105 games, so 20 more games than Jake McCarthy. But it's Jake McCarthy who seems like the Rookie of the Year finalist for the Arizona Diamondbacks and the guy who might push Alec Thomas out of a job next season because... The numbers on Jake McCarthy are absolutely insane. I mean, Jake McCarthy, we've gone through the numbers again, but I'll go through a few more of the numbers because Jake McCarthy, same guy versus right-handed pitching and against left-handed pitching. I mean, Jake McCarthy is a left-handed batter, and he actually does better against lefties than righties. Against lefties, Jake McCarthy, 324 average, 901 OPS. But guess what? It's okay, because against righties, he's also batting 297 with an 822 OPS. And the sample size is a lot larger against righties versus lefties. But still, when you look at those splits, Jake McCarthy is great no matter who is on the mound. And he's been specifically fire in the second half of the season because in the first half, Jake McCarthy, 242 average, 725 OPS. But in the second half of the season, 340 average, 911 OPS. And he's gotten even hotter in the September month because he's batting 395 with 1058 OPS in the month of September. So Jake McCarthy has been just absolutely dynamite for the D-backs this season. He's been a real revelation for this D-back squad because like I've talked about before, like 
Jake McCarthy is a first round pick for the D-backs back in 2018 is the 39th overall pick, but he's not someone that had huge expectations for entering this season for this D-back squad because he wasn't really on my radar. It wasn't like he was one of the top 10 prospects, the D-backs organization and He's been getting playing time this season, and he's just run with every opportunity he's had this year. And all his numbers, no matter what you look at, have gone up across the board. I mean, his hard contact numbers from last year to this year are absolutely insane. It's hard. Jake McCarthy's hard contact numbers this year, 87.1 eggs of velocity, 37.8 hard hit percentage on batted balls. Like Jake McCarthy is putting in work. And if you look at Jake McCarthy's stat cast, and maybe we should go off stat cast for his hard contact numbers because I know stat cast has different numbers sometimes. So if you were to look at his exit velocity on stat cast, 89.1 miles per hour. So it's like an extra two miles an hour on stat cast. Sweet spot percentage, 33.2%. That is a huge number. The amount of times he's hitting that sweet spot on his bat is nearly a third of the time crazy his barrel percentage is that 5.1 percent and what makes jake mccarthy i think so interesting when you really break down his numbers and his splits fastballs breaking balls off speed pitches it doesn't matter either like whether you're righty or lefty doesn't matter jake mccarthy and what kind of pitch you throw doesn't really matter jake mccarthy either either because he's got 279 average against the fastball he's got 325 average against the breaking ball and a 355 average against the off-speed pitch so this is a guy that's putting up i know he's only played like 80 something games but his 80 something game slash line looks like a slash line of an all-star you look at his splits, righties, lefties, it doesn't matter. Fastball, off-speed, breaking ball, it doesn't matter the pitch. Jake McCarthy is doing everything. The hard contact numbers are there. Like There are no numbers to suggest that what Jake McCarthy, what he's doing right now is fluky. The numbers suggest that Jake McCarthy's a stud, and if you prorated his numbers over the course of a full season, this guy might be an all-star, and if the D-backs are better, who knows? Would Jake McCarthy be in the MVP conversation? in the MVP conversation, that's probably going a step too far. But if he played a full year, he might have been the D-backs all-star this season. But why not do one better than an all-star? Why not give him an actual award and give him the NL Rookie of the Year award? Now, I don't think Jake McCarthy will win NL Rookie of the Year. But I do think he should be in the second tier, the second group of NL Rookie of the Years, because the favorites to win NL Rookie of the Year are both from the Braves. Spencer Strider, the pitcher, and Michael Harris, um, the outfielder of the Braves. Those two guys are probably the leading candidates if you just look at like, if you go to any betting site, I suggest bet online and look at their odds for NL Rookie of the Year. Spencer Strider and Michael Harris are the two favorites. I mean, Spencer Strider, 125 innings pitch, a 2.7 ERA, 13.8 strikeouts per nine. He's had an absolutely insane season for the Braves. And then if you pull up Michael Harris, which I'm doing right now, 94 games, 311, 311 average, 904 OPS, 18 home runs, 16 stolen bases. So it's like, yeah, okay. Those guys deserve to be higher in the rookie of the year um, voting and finishing higher in the voting than Jake McCarthy. But after those two, I think you can make the real argument that Jake McCarthy could be as high as third on this list. And right now, third seems to be going to say Suzuki of the Cubs. But you can make an argument 
Seiya Suzuki, Edward, uh, Edward Cabrera, Nick Lodolo, Brandon Donovan, Christopher Morrell, any of those guys who are considered basically tier two rookie of the year finalists, I think Jake McCarthy should be slotted right in that mix. Now, Jake McCarthy's biggest issue compared to those other guys, I think, is literally just playing time and sample size. He just hasn't gotten in as much work as those guys. And those guys haven't played full seasons either, I mind you. Guys like uh, Suzuki have only played about 100 games. Pitchers like Cabrera and Lodolo have made like 15 starts. So it's not like those guys have a full season workload, but even Jake McCarthy has played less games than that. But if Jake McCarthy, let's say, plays 90% of the games the rest of the year, hits like 100 games played, and his numbers just across the board, you don't even have to look at the slash line. If he just got better RBI, run scored, home runs, stolen bases with the advanced numbers like WRC+, if those numbers are better than the rookies ahead of Jake McCarthy, not counting Spencer Strider and Michael Harris, then Jake McCarthy definitely deserves to be in the rookie of the year voting because right now just the traditional numbers jake mccarthy is as good as anyone not named michael harris or spencer strider and that's with the smaller sample size like he's got as many home runs stolen bases put in as much work at the plate as much as anyone ahead of him not named michael harris and spencer strider again as i mentioned so should jake mccarthy be a rookie of the year finals finalist hell yeah he should be Maybe it's still a little bit early in the season to move him to like that number three to number eight slot in the NL Rookie of the Year finalist voting. But by the end of the year, when Jake McCarthy has played nearly 100 games, he should be as high as number three in the Rookie of the Year voting. Now, if you want to place a bet of where Jake McCarthy is going to finish in that Rookie of the Year voting, you need to head to Bet Online. But we are not doing a bet online read today. I just had to shout out our favorite sponsors, one of our favorite sponsors, Bet Online. But today's read is actually about Blue Chew because summer is winding down, the nights are getting longer, but the breeze isn't the only thing that's getting stiff. That's right, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life. That's especially true in the bedroom, especially when it's time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets in a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night. So you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. So. They always say first impressions are important. What about lasting impressions? So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOCKEDON at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. We thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast.
let's get back into the podcast. And next, I want to discuss whether the D-backs are just a bullpen away from competing for potentially a wild card next season, 2023, because Ryan, excuse me, Ryan Nelson, just a fantastic start to his major league career, literally set the D-backs franchise record with scoreless innings to start your major league career. So far, 13 innings pitch, no earned runs, 13 strikeouts, and that is an active streak by Ryan Nelson. So theoretically, he could break Zach Allen's streak if he gets close enough to it. But Ryan Nelson has been phenomenal so far for the D-backs this season. Also, nine strikeouts per nine innings and an elite whip, 0.615. Of course, a really small sample size for Ryan Nelson. But so far, what we've seen from the kid has been literally perfect. There's not much that you could complain about when it comes to Ryan Nelson. If you look at the stat cast numbers for Ryan Nelson, some of the hard contact numbers aren't the greatest, like 90.3 exit velocity, 40.6% hard hit percentage. Like you don't like to see that for Ryan Nelson, but we know he's mainly a fastball pitcher. He's thrown the fastball more than any other pitch. Actually, if you take his curveball, slider, and changeup and combine all three of them, he still hasn't thrown those pitches total more than the fastball more than the four-seamer because why the four-seam fastball is his bread and butter and it has worked to basically nearly perfection this season 114 times he's thrown his fastball this year compared to just 26 times for the curveball 17 for the slider and 11 for the changeup but when you look at the numbers you can see why he's so fastball heavy because posing batters have a 0.97 batting average against his fastball with an expected batting average of 161 and expected slugging of 243. So the numbers are phenomenal against the fastball. Hard exit velocity, 94.2 miles per hour given up, but that's because he's throwing a fastball. It comes in hot. I don't know why I just said. I tried to say hard, I think, but I also had the word hot. I kind of wanted to say it comes in hot and it comes in hard at the same time. So it just came out. It comes in hard, but his fastball comes in hot. So it leaves even hotter. He throws it at 95.1 miles per hour. So no wonder that exit velocity is so high. But you see Ryan Nelson in his most recent start. He's putting in the work. He's looking dominant on the mound. But it does not matter how good Ryan Nelson pitches. The bullpen comes in. And they just gave up the lead. Of course, it was to the Dodgers, a very tough team, the best offense in baseball. But Ryan Nelson was able to shut them down for six innings. No earned runs. Six strikeouts. He had he gave up, he gave up like what? Two hits? Three hits? Like Ryan Nelson was dominant against the LA Dodgers. But the bullpen was not able to pick up Ryan Nelson. And that's been the case the whole second half of the season. Because you look at the first half first, second half split. The starting pitching in the first half, 4-3-5 ERA. But in the second half, 3-5-6 ERA. The starting pitching in the second half has been borderline elite. The D-backs rotation has been phenomenal. Davies, Gallon, Kelly, Tommy Henry has put up a couple good starts. Ryan Nelson has been really good to start his career. And just basically Madison Bumgarner, who's terrible. But you look at the bullpen for the D-backs. First half, 4-3-3 ERA. Second half, 5 3 Five ERA. The D-backs bullpen is clearly holding them back. You look at the save percentage, D-backs still can't save a game to save their life. Third worst save percentage in the National League. And guess what? You know the teams behind the D-backs who have a worse save percentage? The Chicago Cubs, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and the team that's tied with the D-backs for uh, the third worst save percentage, the Cincinnati Reds. The D-backs are right in line with the worst teams in the National League when it comes to save percentage because like all those teams... 
When they get to the ninth inning, they want to blow the game. Those teams don't want to win games. They're happily tanking. The D-backs are a team that should not be like that, but they can't help it. They have no one to throw out from their bullpen, and it's shocking to see because when you actually look at average outs recorded per game in relief or average pitches per game in relief, like how how much on average? How much on average does your reliever go out there? Or excuse me, this is a better way to phrase it. How much on average does your bullpen go out there and how many outs do they have to record or how many pitches do they throw on average in every game? D-backs, second lowest in baseball. So you know what that means? Their starters are going deep into games. The bullpen has to basically pitch the second fewest amount of times over the course of a season. Only the Dodgers bullpen has to come in games less or pitches less throughout a game than the D-backs bullpen. Because you know why? Guys like Zach Allen, Merrill Kelly are giving you basically seven innings every single start. You don't got to worry about it too much. You only need someone to come in for the eighth, the ninth inning, just the last two innings, and then you can have a victory. How many games have we seen blown by the D-backs this season because they do not know how to close it? Right now, the D-backs currently have the fifth worst bullpen ERA in the National League. Excuse me, not in the National League. In Major League Baseball, they have the fourth worst ERA, open ERA in the National League. The only teams worse than them, the Rockies, the Royals, the Reds, and Pirates. All those teams are clearly worse than the D-backs. But there is a silver lining because like we've seen and talked about, like the D-backs lineup is very impressive. Like this D-backs lineup is deep and they're going to have to make some tough decisions with what to do next season because they basically have too many outfielders for their own good when you think of Varsho, Alec Thomas, Corbin Carroll, Jake McCarthy, Stone Garrett. How do you figure it out? Amanda Rivera and Josh Rojas, who's playing third base. You still got Ketel Marte, who's having a down season. Like, imagine if Ketel Marte gets back to all-star MVP Ketel Marte with the guys we have in our lineup. Christian Walker, all of a sudden, is an all-star level first baseman, or at least he looks like it. And Carson Kelly, still not a scrub. Maybe Carson Kelly is never going to be an all-star level catcher, but I don't think he's a scrub by any means. So the lineup... Should definitely be locked in for the D-backs next season. The starting rotation, yeah, we probably need one more number three starter or something like that. But if we just run it back with a Gallon, Merrill Kelly, a Davies, and then you throw in a young guy like a Ryan Nelson or someone else, like that could be good enough to compete. It literally just comes down to the bullpen. And we've talked about this before. Mike Hazen's only offseason need is the bullpen. That should be your first priority, second priority, third priority. Your whole priority list should just say bullpen, bullpen, bullpen on it. And Mike Hazen literally needs to go out there and sign like eight guys this offseason. I want Mike Hazen to go out there and commit like $100 million to the bullpen. Like go out there and sign five guys for $10 million each and make sure they're not 38 or older like every other guy you signed with the Mark Melanson's and the Oliver Perez's of the world because those guys aren't good. We need young guys, fresh arms that could handle a workload over the course of a season and preferably Guys that could throw hard. The D-backs do not have enough bullpen guys that could throw hard. They barely have any. So, Mike Hazen, that's your big offseason wish list because I believe the D-backs in 2023 could definitely compete for a postseason or a wild card spot. But first, they have to get their bullpen in order. I want to discuss one of those guys that could be called up to the D-backs this season and maybe help out their bullpen 
next year. But before we get there, I first actually want to just shine. Let me close some of these tabs. I first just want to shine a little light on Corbin Carroll because I feel like we haven't really talked about Corbin Carroll too much. And he's having a really nice start to his major league career, a 275 average and 841 OPS. Like Corbin Carroll has done a little bit of everything, but his biggest issue right now is the fact that he just hasn't been great against left-handed pitchers. And it's not a shock. Like he has to adjust to the major league, major league level. He's a left-handed bat as well. So right now, Corbin Carroll is probably going to platoon mostly for the D-backs this season. I mean, against uh i mean they're still going to put him out against lefties but he'll probably lean more platoon against righties than lefties because against righties corbin carroll's crushing it 357 average 1080 ops he's crushing right-handed pitching but against left-handed pitching he's got one hit and 12 at bats it just hasn't been good for corbin carroll in that instance so i do want to shine a little light of corbin carroll does have to fix his splits but he's been a very good player for the d-back so far to the early start of his career i think corbin carroll is the real deal i think he's shown us flashes already that this guy could potentially be a future more than just an all-star or superstar for this d-back team i mean if you just look at the hard hit percentage i mean exit velocity 88.5 miles per hour hard hit percentage 44.4 uh 44.4 percentage on the hard hit percentage so you know he makes good hard contact this is someone that shouldn't strike out a lot when you look at his base running this is someone that's going to create havoc on the bases like i want to see a full season of our show rojas alec thomas corbin carroll those guys on the bases i probably left out somebody jake mccarthy i don't know if i said him like the d-backs next season should have like what three to six guys that could steal 20 plus bags in their lineup like it's going to be absolutely insane and corbin carroll might be the fastest player not just on this team but in major league baseball his sprint speed is absolutely insane. So I want to see Corbin Carroll continue to pick it up, continue to impress, and continue to make adjustments to the major league level because we've talked a lot about the pitching, about how the all the how for the D-backs to be good because we believe in their lineup, it's their pitching that really needs to um, get figured out and needs to pop when you look at these minor leaguers. But we also, we just assume the guys like Corbin Carroll and Jordan Lawler are going are to pop. Like, we always say the lineup is going to be dynamite over the next three years, and the lineup is going to be good enough to make the postseason. It's the pitching and the bullpen that we need to worry about. But for the D-backs, they have all their eggs in the top prospects' baskets of Corbin Carroll, Jordan Lawler, and Drew Jones. And we don't even think about the possibility of those guys being bust because of how good they were in the minor league levels. But guys like Corbin Carroll doesn't work out. Like, that's what gets GMs fired. That's what keeps rebuilds in rebuilds. Like teams rebuild and then they figure out their top prospects really aren't that good. And then they have to rebuild again. Like for the D-backs to actually rebuild and get out of the rebuild and move toward a winning situation, a winning environment, guys like Corbin Carroll have to hit. They're not always a given. It feels like Corbin Carroll's a given. Most prospects aren't. Like the D-backs, they need their pitching prospects to hit. But they need these top prospects to hit like the Lawlers, the Drew Jones, and Corbin Carroll because they can also be trade pieces, if not superstars for this D-backs team. So, Corbin Carroll, we all believe in you. We all think you are a future superstar, and you've had a nice start to your season. But we want to see, we want to see you to continue to impress. I feel like I'm just rambling. I even make any sense right now. We want to see you continue to impress Corbin Carroll. And we want to see you continue to make adjustments because we got a lot of eggs in the Corbin Carroll basket right now. But so far, we've shown us in his early major league career. I don't think we have anything to worry about. But one other player that should potentially get called up to the D-backs this season and make a major impact who 
I think could really be maybe a dynamite reliever or another back-end starter for this D-backs team is Brandon Fat, who is just killing it in the minor league level. I think he just won minor league pitcher of the month. Like, he's doing crazy things. He was having a solid season in double-A for Amarillo, the side poodles, but it wasn't dominant. It was a 4-5-3 year. What was really dominant was his strikeout totals, 12.3 strikeouts per nine in double-A, and he wasn't giving up a ton of walks either 1.6 walks per nine so strikeouts a lot no walks and he wasn't really a a huge home run guy I would say I mean he gave up 19 home runs so maybe that's more than he should have given up but with all that being said he got promoted to triple a and the numbers have been even better for Brandon Fat since being promoted to triple a 252 ERA in triple a 50 he's got 50 innings pitch a 0.9 flat whip 10.4 strikeouts per nine and 2.2 2.2 walks per nine. So for Brandon Fat, I think this is someone that could be called up and make an impact this season for the D-backs. He's considered a two-fastball kind of guy, four-seamer and a two-seamer with some off-speed pitches mixed in. Lindsey Crosby thinks this is one of the better pitchers in the D-back system. He is quickly ascending. He seems to have passed the Drew Jamisons and the Blake Walstons among D-backs prospects. He might have passed Ryan Nelson as well if Ryan Nelson didn't get called up and had this phenomenal streak with what he's doing on the major league level. So I want to give Ryan Nelson another buddy. We've already seen Tommy Henry make some noise this season. He seems to be falling off a little bit. I think he got options back to the minor leagues. Ryan Nelson's performing well right now. But again, Madison Bumgarner is not a good pitcher right now, and he offers no value to this D-backs team. And with the D-backs essentially done in the wild card race, Let's bring up Brandon Fat and let's give him the opportunities that Madison Bumgarner will have gotten because Bumgarner, of course, is not good while Brandon Fat has all the upside in the world. He's having a fantastic season. So let's see if that can translate to the major league level for Brandon Fat. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked on MLB with my pal Sully Baseball. It's a walking baseball encyclopedia, so go check out his podcast. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.